Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy. I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and someone I'd never even dream of substituting at half-time, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Wendy. A uh, little look behind the curtain. Three of us have been recording Amazon All or Nothing uh, watch-along bonus episodes for the last three hours, so we're quite drained by this point. But we wanted to get together and talk about the Everton match. Uh, <laughs> why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to say really quickly that we, we wanted to announce on this podcast the winner of the Pleaties shirt because we had some really nice reviews and uh, people were good at emailing their reviews to us at podcast at the uk. but uh, we haven't had a chance to choose yet so we'll announce that on the next episode so all is not lost um, let's just get straight into it boys we played Everton first game of the season Nathan you were excited when you saw the lineup announced mm, I was feeling genuinely very positive about Spurs for the first time in a long time um, we, we got through the lockdown period we got results we found success. Kane looked healthy. Uh, been watching a documentary about my football club. We made a couple of key signings. Not not super exciting young players. Not players with an enormous upside, but functional players that were going to fill a gap. That were going to do a job um, and and make things work. Make things tick for our more attacking players. Okay, bam, they're straight into the lineup. All right. Okay, maybe it's a little early to be expecting too much of them. You know, Doherty hasn't obviously played a minute of preseason because he was away with Ireland as soon as we signed him. Um, the you know players like that are going to take some time. We're going to need a little bit of patience with them, even though they're Premier League experience, even though they're you know mid to late peak players. They're going to take a little while to settle in, so don't expect too much from them. But with all of that in mind, I looked at that lineup and I thought, wow, for the first time in a long time, there isn't a gaping issue with that lineup. For the first time in a long time. There isn't like a massive obvious hole and issue. That is a good. It's not great. Like I'd still want to move Harry Winks out from Dombele. I'd still like to bring Lacelso in for Lucas. If we could improve on Davies at left back, that'd be great. Okay, but otherwise, it's a strong eleven. It's, a, it's at the very least, it's not a bad eleven. I was feeling positive about Spurs. How about you, Bards? I uh, 
yeah, I was feeling I was feeling really positive as well. I mean, as Nathan says, I thought we'd sign two Premier League ready uh, players who perhaps would start a bit better than they did, but it just seemed that um, Everton signed two Premier League ready players who were a little bit more ready than us. And I think I think as many times with Tottenham over over recent months, it came down to our midfield just wasn't was unable to to cope with with their guys. And yeah, yeah, it's like it's a bit like that. So I I agree with Nathan that it was. In some ways, it was an exciting lineup, uh, despite no one Domble, no Nacelso. There, there were there were things to get excited about, but equally, I saw Everton's lineup and I thought, oh wow, okay, they've done the same thing. They've thrown in all their new players. They've even managed to bring in James Rodriguez, who no one thought would start this game. Everyone thought he was going to be on the bench right. at, at the maximum, and that made me a little nervous. I must admit, when I saw when I saw their their starting eleven. Um, that said, I, I didn't think the game would go. I mean, I didn't. I had I had quite low expectations. I thought it would be a draw. We 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 put out a tweet where we ran a poll people were overwhelmingly positive and confident going into this game they thought it was going to be a win I thought it might be a draw I thought it'd be a cagey affair but I didn't think it'd be quite like this um Nathan talk us through the two approaches as you as you saw them okay so again I have to start with the context of we played very defensive football in post-lockdown last season uh, we played on the break but I I accepted it I looked past it for two reasons one we were getting results which you know always goes a long way will always go a very long way for a lot of fans and two there were the circumstances it was the fact that it was Mourinho still his first season it was the fact that there was this sort of mini pre-season mess up the fact that there were holes in the squad I said okay fine Mourinho is playing Mourinho football but uh, the reports when he first arrived was that he was going to do something new yeah. okay fine I'll wait until Mourinho's second season before I start to judge him on this type of football we play and the first 10 minutes to this game we we pushed them high we pressed them a little bit we we had a bit of the ball and then we stopped having the ball we sat all the way deep we tried to counter and we failed Buddy, what did you think of the the team shape, the setup compared to what Everton were trying to do? I mean, it's very. It was very difficult for Hoiberg and, and Winks, and at some point, both of them looked a little bit lost. I'm, I I don't think they work as a two, and there seems to be like a common factor here. There's always I don't think they work as a two, and it's always when Winks is alongside one of them, one of anybody. And I just felt that he he looked a little bit lost when he was trying when they were trying to press. There was it was too easy for them to get out of it, and there was big old gaps. And I mean. Allen is a great player. He's he's getting yeah. on a bit, but he's a great player. Decore is a solid player who's used to Premier League, and we we were linked with him two years ago. And two years ago, I thought it would have been a decent signing. Gomez is a is a great player, and Hames is a great player who probably won't do the whole season, but still got a bit of touch, a bit of class about it. And I just thought our setup just allowed it, it allowed the Everton to express all their strength, but never highlighted any of their weakness. The moments we did see a weakness definitely down that um, right hand side. Where Hammers wasn't tracking and Coleman was having a tough time with Sun, but then we just seemed to forget about that route towards goal, and we never saw Sun really get at Coleman again. And I, I just think it was very lethargic, and I hate I hate it when pundits go they're walking. But I just thought Spurs looked tired, Spurs looked underprepared, and perhaps the um, the lockdown that a lot of our players have been through has had a massive toll on on our team. Well, M- Mourinho was very quick to point out the lack of intensity, um, the lack of energy, the lack of fitness, but it was 
more than that. This is mm-hmm. this is not just about how we were slow to stop Everton playing. It's about the lack of ideas when we had the ball as well. There's, there's two elements to it. There's you know our defensive structure, how how we intend to win the ball back, and then what we do when we do win it back. And neither were very good, and neither gave me much hope that we've developed something new and exciting, as uh, as Nathan alluded to. Um, one thing I would say is Mourinho could argue that were it not for a set piece goal we didn't really concede that many chances were it not for Ben Davis just smashing a, a wrong footed pass blind across the pitch where Richarlison nips in and steals it there, there wasn't a lot from Everton in terms of coming close to breaking us down they had more chances than we did sure um, but I mean he would point to that I'm sure and say you know this isn't an awful defensive performance I don't think it was an awful defensive performance I just think we were terrible when we did have the ball and that's what concerns me the most yeah I, I completely agree that defensively we were fine for the most part but at, at some point you have to progress past that at some point you have to have the onus and maybe maybe that having no fans there doesn't get the players on doesn't move but there was just I, I tweeted after the game that it, it just seemed there was no one trying to take responsibility or trying to create something there was no one looking to do something they, they were literally passing the ball just to remove themselves from the responsibility of having to make a decision for the benefit of Tottenham Hotspur and I, I'm, I'm a positive person but I'm not going to be positive for the sake of being positive it was it was concerning uh, it looked slightly better when Bergwijn came on but we have to talk about um, Delhi and the decision to remove Delhi and you know the team crumbled at that point removing Delhi who for all his fault fault is a player who is very smart on the pitch for Soko who is a player who for all his qualities it isn't very smart on the pitch it gave the game away yeah I, I completely agree I think also I, I agree that it does come down often with Mourinho to individuals who have we just have we got good attacking players can the good attacking players we've got deliver whereas that what I'm looking for what I'm hoping for is some kind of system some kind of possessional shape or structure that will allow us even if we're not playing particularly well to create some possessional play that can grind out chances for us and it just wasn't there um I mean one thing I could say is that we we play with this system where we have a fullback high up on the right hand side and the left back tucks in that's been our shape for many many months occasionally not but mostly that's been our shape for many many months and Everton were just able to exploit that with ease they, they take advantage of the fact that Davis is hanging back they allow James Rodriguez to drop deep where Davis won't follow him pick up the ball cut in on his favoured left foot and switch pass after pass in behind Doherty where Richarlison can exploit the split space how easy was it for them to do that okay they didn't then go on to create good goal scoring chances but it just to me showed a manager who had identified the weakness in the opposition and then acted on it in a way which allowed them to enact a plan not only that but they had new bodies in midfield they had three new players in midfield and they honestly look like they've been playing together for a decade though I mean I am not the biggest fan of Andre Gomez but he played a really good game he was uh, unleashed by Alan who just fabulous signing I think for Everton on on, on that showing um they looked like they they played together for a long time and we didn't we we looked like a team of strangers a team of individuals and that's the thing that concerns me most um, Nathan where do we go from here is there what's the hope here what can we what can we look for going forward that will that will make us think that some, there's something to cling to. It is still, you know, the beginning of this season. It is still a crushed pre-season. Mm-hmm. Um, these, you know, two new first-team players arriving um, need time to settle in. There are still, um, well, you know, there are still excuses. Um, so, you know, it's worth keeping things together, giving our toys in the pram two or three weeks, four or five weeks more, waiting for things to gel a little bit with new players, with new ideas, hopefully, and ideas 
nearly the likes of La Celso and Ndombele. I'm genuinely scraping the barrel to say I'm really glad that Ndombele was on the bench and Ndombele came onto the yeah. pitch. At least, there, at least there's that, man. At least there's that. Um, but I mean, I can give it a bit more time. But if it's going to be like that for another month, I can't take it, man. So we had a question from uh, Jumping Joe in the X Subs text channel on Discord. He says our midfield was totally overrun today. Do you see that being a problem this season? Obviously, with the Celso back, that'll help. But it just looked hopeless. To compound that, there seemed to be no one trying anything, runs, forward passes, etc. Until Ndombele came on. What do you think, Barry? Did uh, did Ndombele give you any hope? He did. He, I mean, he gave the ball. He did one lovely pass, his mm. first one. Then he did two ridiculous um, passes, gave the ball away. But then you have to point towards he was attempt, at least attempting something. But I don't know if I'm going to get excited over someone attempting failure other than actually achieving it. But I think Lacelso coming back would be a huge help. And just I just don't understand. I still I'm still lost on Soko. He doesn't do anything to help control a match. But had Delhi stayed on, I think we might have, we might have snuck, we might have sneaked the result there. But uh, I think with Lacelso back, he does. Change change things automatically because he can beat a press he can pass the ball properly and advance the play so it's he he's crucial to he's crucial to uh he's crucial to us at the moment so nathan i, I pointed out that uh, Mourinho could point towards it not being that bad a defense and actually you know i kind of want to um wind back on that a little actually because the fact that i'm accepting that at this point is depressing you know we've gone from we're at peak pochettino i accept that pochettino got te- he was terrible towards the end things got really 100%. bad but at peak pochettino our defensive system was we don't let the opposition have the ball in the first place and when they do we press the shit out of them and win it back quickly like that was that was the dream and I, I kind of want to go back to that but ignoring that accepting what we've got in what Mourinho wants to achieve defensively i.e. stay compact don't commit too many bodies forward don't make mistakes as he's saying in all or nothing um, match of a day highlighted that we ranked 12th out of the 12 Premier League teams who've played so far in terms of interceptions 12th in terms of possession one and 11th in terms of attempted tackles did the lack of defensive actions concern you Nate so apparently we attempted nine tackles of which six were Hoybiers yep um, yeah yeah it's really worrying it, you know, it's, like, it's the it's the depth that we sat at after sort of the first 10-15 minutes um, our speed in closing down uh, I did sort of uh, suggest although I definitely wasn't confident I did suggest that Hoybier might be the player um, when we signed him to, to push forward both in and out of possession that does mean at least at the moment that Winks is still being the number six which we don't need to go into too much over you know the shortcomings of that defensively and even in possession too um i i hopefully you know the good version of Ndombele and Hoybier should function as a midfield maybe that's a midfield that asks Ndombele to be deeper than you want it most of the time I don't think that that is such a catastrophic issue that it would mean that we have to you know concede the majority of possession to a Everton side with a brand new midfield for you know the majority of the game there are solutions here within the squad um, but it's it's worrying man it's worrying I mean the the lack of games that we have coming up is a positive one because we can forget about this almost immediately and two because the the minutes are going to force rotation and force Ndombele to see more football which can only be a good thing and Hjoiberg I mean you could have put peak law for Matthias in that team and he would have looked bad I think I think Hjoiberg did okay so I think there's still there's still something good there and I think Mourinho turned to Ndombele when it could have been easy to turn to Lamella instead which is a tried and trusted method it either speaks to desperation that he, he now has to kind of go back on everything that he's stood up for about not playing him or 
or we are really that in much trouble that this uh, is Mourinho's kind of last roll of the dice and if it doesn't work with Endombele then I don't know I, did, I didn't mean for that to take such a dark turn <laughs> so, so positively <laughs> uh, just to just to say one more thing about defensive actions before I, I promise I will move on um, there was a really interesting tweet from THFC underscore Cash who, who, who picked up and pinpointed that Mourinho had said post-match that Lucas was one of the players who for me was physically better because he was one of the guys who had a very good preseason. he was one who was showing me he was capable to create and win duels in there so he decided to change Lucas for that position i.e. he moved him into the middle try and put some pressure on Allen at the base of Everton's midfield now alongside that is the the actual reality of that where Lucas attempted 16 ground duels and won two uh, and the tweet says I don't have anything else left to say Lucas Mora will never be defeated and, and, and zero key passes as well zero key passes again I mean this is the thing that he's such an unproductive player in an attacking sense such an unproductive player so you're a player who takes more risks than anyone absolutely he's there simply because of his ability to press and run and if he's not doing that effectively yet he's staying on the pitch when someone who could genuinely achieve something in Delhi might not be brilliant for 90 minutes but he could genuinely achieve something gets hooked that I didn't like that sub at all so there are there are two caveats here one is that you can literally do this and I have I've, I've done this myself I've done this to Pochettino I've done this to I don't know Zidane you pick up something that they have said which uses sort of statistical language you go to the stats where it's a direct contradiction um, there, as much as I would always take the opportunity to dig out Mourinho this <laughs> is something that is a- applicable across the board the second one is that there is a difference you can say between capable and doing right even if Lucas created zero chances even if Lucas created uh, sorry one zero jewels that doesn't mean that he wasn't the only one who demonstrated that he was capable of doing those things that does speak to a very 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 sorry state of the team if your most capable player is someone who's done nothing mm, indeed <laughs> so I, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about um prediction uh, from, from a couple of from a di- couple of different contexts so I put a post on the on the patreon we've got a patreon by the way did I mention that? <laughs> we've got a patreon um I, I put a post on there before the game uh, in fact it was on Saturday and I, I said that it's, it's really strange that we've not released a pre-season predictions type pod. We, this seems like it's something that we would do and have done in the past where we talk about how we see the season going, who we think might do well, where where we, might we end up, what might we achieve. And I hadn't spoken to either of you about it. I still haven't. But I, I wondered whether perhaps we just naturally not got round to that because none of us wanted to face up to what we're about to experience as, as Spurs fans. Um, and in, in my article, I, I put that I, I think we can't finish top four uh, with the current squad because of the schedule because of the limited depth and because we're just not that good uh, but I did caveat that by saying that, you know if we bring in more players before the window then that, that could all change um, Nathan any thoughts firstly why haven't we done a prediction do you think there's something in that do you think you're just anxious but also what's your gut feel on where we will finish the season in the league uh, I don't think it's because of like our unconscious fears that we didn't record it I think it's um, the season started before the season ended and and the documentary came out and we've been doing all this other Patreon content as well. So I think it's just it's just a matter of timing. I think if we'd have had a full summer, we'd definitely have got round to that. Um, because, as I sort of mentioned at the beginning of this episode, with the new signings, with our results, not performances at the end of last season, 
Um, I was definitely feeling a lot more positive going into this game, and I would have said, yeah, I think that we can get fourth. I think we might have to scrape fourth to get it, but I think that we can get fourth, and I think that we can challenge for a domestic cup. That's what I would have said. Now maybe I'm being reactive and being less confident. I think what might be interesting to be different from other podcasts would be to wait three or four more games and then make our predictions. Okay, yeah. I I think we definitely I think we'll know a lot more in a few weeks when when it settles down and we get the players back from from um, quarantine and everything else. But I I still have hopes for this season. I think Everton over the early couple of months of this season will take points off other top six teams. Um, this is not a good result, but I I still have faith that we can find something if Ndombele gets put back in the squad and the Celso gets fit. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 